Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Brenda. Welcome to Conversational Counseling, where counseling and discipleship meet. We are really just saying that every single thing we've learned, everything we've learned, is useful in your family, with your friends, at your work, with your neighbors, and at your church. We can't think of anything better than handing our tools off to other people and seeing this multiplied. I mean, that's what kingdom work is. Brenda. Alex. We're podcasting. (laughs) Wow. How did we get here? (laughs) Uh, It does feel like a blur. (laughs) It does. But it's good because we believe God has brought us to this point. And um, we're really doing our episodes this season that we're putting together. We are calling these three things because what we want to do, again, is to make the podcast and the information very digestible, easy to metabolize, and that way it can be worked into our own system and then worked out into our daily lives as we minister to other people that God puts in our path. And, and because we know three is a holy number. And, oh, and, yeah. thank and, you. So it has to be three. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, and for me, three is just an easy number. If I get beyond three things, usually I can't remember the fourth. True. That's true. <laughs> That's the real reason. That's the real reason. Um, but today we want to talk about a framework that uh, we call Saint, Suffer, and Sinner. And so why don't you tell us a little bit, even just about where that comes from? I hope I call it Saint, Suffer, and Sinner every time, because I'll start moving them all around. It'll be Sinner, That's Saint, be Suffer. Confusing. Yes. But we are going to talk about all three of these. And um, I just want to start off with saying why it's important to me. Okay. I think it's been... I remember when I was taking a class, and I think it was Mike Emlett who first Mm -hmm. taught me this, and he's recently wrote a book about it, but um, it really was a paradigm shifting for me, and it's so simple, and yet it was so profound, and the reason it was profound is because I think a lot of our early training in biblical counseling tended to focus on the person as a sinner. Yes, and so we've been accused of going on a sin hunt. Yeah. We've been accused of, you know, concordance count. Is that the right yeah. word? Concordance counseling, where we just um, flip to the back of the book on of the Bible on anger and find those verses and take those and call me in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so this really did become the first probably framework or paradigm that allowed me to see the whole person, and mm-hmm. it really resonated with me because I don't want to just be viewed as a sinner. And I tended to, uh, uh, as the older brother, I tended to only (laughs) view myself as a sinner. And so to recognize that I am simultaneously a saint and a sinner and a sufferer was really freeing for me personally. And that opened up a whole body of truth. It opens up God's Word in just a whole different way for me. Yeah, that's good. It's interesting because with the same experience and background of being heavy sin-oriented, in the beginning of just our training. Um, For you, it was more of a self-righteousness, kind of, if you looked at, like, looking for the sin. I think Mm -hmm. for me, there was a lot of condemnation because of the sin I was bringing in. So then it just always made me feel defeated and condemned as I was looking at my sin that I was bringing into my faith. Right. But, um, well, let's take these one at a time, and let's just break them down. Because, again, what we're trying to communicate is that if you can— as a listener, grasp these three hooks Mm -hmm. that form a little bit of a framework, then when you begin to engage with someone, you've got some categories of thinking about them, asking them questions, drawing them out, information that may be important. 
Um, so let's just talk about the first one. Why is it important that uh, we we look at somebody in the category of saint? Mm-hmm. Well, the category of saint, again, is so orienting because it's the one I think that we're so quick to forget because our earthly struggle here is against sin and suffering. And so we can forget the promises of God, the character of God that's applied to us through Christ, and we can just forget the riches that we have in Jesus. And so it's so orienting to me for myself and then when I'm sitting with another person to recognize that they need to be connected to the hope that they have in Christ and the truth that in Him they are saints. They're forgiven. They're loved. And so um, that just, again, opens up the whole of Scripture to me, because now this is not just God's story, it's my story too, and I'm able to approach that person or even approach my own heart with hope, with encouragement, Mm. with um, a big view of God and the church. Like, I'm not just a saint by myself, I'm a saint with all the other saints, Mm -hmm. um, present and past and future. So it's just, it just opens up my perspective. That will all preach. That was awesome. (laughs) Okay, cut, we're done. (laughs) No, that's really, really beautiful. I think it is so orienting. And the other thing is, I think when we enter in with someone, um, you know, what if they're not a saint? Mm -hmm. You know, what if they've not come to saving faith? Um, That's going to look different. Our starting point is going to look different. The information we give them is going to look differently. How much information we give them Um, If we give them any information at all, it may be very relational to begin with if we're in an evangelistic setting. So I think as we're sort of evaluating, I think also as we're looking at the saint through the lens of, is this, um, you know, and this speaks into say uh, suffering and sinner, but, you know, is this somebody who's weak? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody who's rebellious? Mm -hmm. Is this somebody who needs encouragement and hope? Or is this somebody who needs admonishment? And so I think as we look at the person, we are going to be oriented if we if we can get a feel for where are where are they in their relationship with the Lord. Um, a lot of times we want to really focus on people's problems, right. which we do need to understand their problems. And that's I mean they're coming and we're trying to help them. But so often the beginning place needs to be is really understanding who is God to them. Right? Who is this? You know who? I mean, the God of the Bible is not always the God who we worship, right? right. Oftentimes we have a God of our own making, and so. Really, we do want to understand people's faith and what their what kind of views about God are they bringing into their suffering and sinning? Um, what kind of understanding that they have of the scriptures uh, that they can immediately begin to access to experience the kind of hope and help that biblical counseling and that Jesus wants to supply them. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're saying that, Brenda, it's reminded me that so often when someone comes in my office, they know they're coming in for biblical counseling, but I, I don't know what that means to them. And so what what I'm trying to do is exactly what you said, get a gauge on what their relationship with the Lord is like, their understanding of the Scripture is. And again, it's not for me to judge whether someone's a believer or not. Oftentimes, probably more often than not, I talk to someone as if they are a believer from the get-go. And we we are in a culture that's very spiritualized. And then specifically where I am um, in Montgomery, it's the, the buckle of the Bible belt. So people have a lot of religious language. I talk to them as if they are a believer right from the get-go and still try to... Um, 
ask discerning questions for them to really come to understand their own hearts. But I think for me, I don't know how you feel about that. You can disagree. We can we can go ahead and disagree, right? But that that approach then helps me to pull out, and I think it it, it keeps me from coming at them from a, um, you have to prove your spirituality to me. You have to prove. You know, I don't I don't want anyone to feel that way. Yeah. Well, and I think in our context too, and I think in a lot of context in relationship, we're already going to have a feel if somebody knows Jesus, if they're following Jesus, if they have any understanding of the Word or any uh, dependency on the Spirit. Um, and a lot of the times the people we're interacting with, they're coming, like you said, they know this mm-hmm. is this is going to be biblical. And we've already, I mean, we've got the cheat sheet on them because they filled out a form and we already know a little bit about their answers. Um, and again, I, I like what you're saying, when you're interacting and, you know, just getting together with people and making yourself available to meet with people. This isn't an interrogation to sit down. We want them to feel comfortable. And to your point, if somebody has given me a profession of faith, mm-hmm. then I'm going to stand on, I'm going to I'm going to accept that profession of faith and I'm going to move forward in counseling them and really giving them the assurance then of God's promises. Because what I have found on more than one occasion, and I'm sure you have too, Alex, is that people will come. And, and, and again, this could be in my home as I've done discipleship in my home or Bible studies or you know, in the church in a more professional counseling setting. But um, somewhere along the way, somebody will come in and be like, wow, I think I just met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow, the Word of God just came alive to me. Wow, something has changed. Right. And the Holy Spirit has just done a work. Really, they, they're recognizing they have just now come to saving faith. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's beautiful. Like the Holy Spirit is going to do that work. I think that's what we're trying to say yes. is we don't have to, um, you know, make sure that you know all your, you know, that you can, I don't know, draw out the the diagrams and know the Romans Save road. Say the prayer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and all of that for mm-hmm. us to be assured. Like if, you, if you're meeting with somebody and they are telling you they're a Christian, then Go with that. Right. And then over time, the Holy Spirit, He will make it clear to them. Because the truth is, I have days when I woke up and think, wow, I just met Jesus. <laughs> right? I mean, that. I hope I always have those moments. So, yeah, yeah I think it, the, the biggest caution there with um, this tool is just recognizing, like, we don't have to judge this. It's not That's our right. place to judge it. And that the gospel, we need to be connected to the gospel, whether it's for the first time or for the one thousand two hundred fifty third time. That's like right. we need to be connected to the gospel, and our and because our counseling is going to be very gospel centric, very Christ oriented. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be giving somebody you know do these three things and then come back and see me next week. I mean, it's going to be rooted in the person and work of Christ. So they're going to get gospel all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. So how? So let's talk then about suffer. Yeah. How is it that viewing somebody in the framework of not just a sinner but a sufferer is helpful? Mm, well, I mean, it just orients me back to the grand narrative, to the big story of God's Word, that we were created for something. We were created for this life and this beauty and connection. And that in the fall, it was twisted and marred and and in many, time, in many ways taken away. And that life after the fall is hard. Yeah. And and it's never been more true than it is right now um, for, for our generation, I think, coming, hopefully coming out of a pandemic. But we really know that life is hard. Life is suffering. And um, to not... Uh, meet somebody in that place and to only focus on what they need to change about themselves instead of coming alongside them and saying, wow, I see why this would be a struggle. Wow, I see how this is particularly hard for you to really give that empathy. We're going to miss the person completely. Yeah. 
And we're also going to miss such a beautiful aspect of our Savior mm-hmm. because Jesus didn't come just to change us. He came to comfort us. That's so good. And mm-hmm. so if we, if we don't recognize somebody's suffering and we don't bring to them the comfort of Christ, they are just going, um, really, we're doing them such a disservice in their understanding of walking with Jesus and who He is. And honestly, there's just some things that we can only learn about God through suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that I've shared before, I've been in a pretty intense season for a decade with one of my children who's been a prodigal and had struggles. And there are just things in that 10 years that have been so painful. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that pain, I have learned things about Jesus I would have never learned otherwise. Um, Yeah. I find, Brenda, I don't know if you find this, but as I talk to people who've been raised in the church, I have to wrestle them to the concept of themselves as a sufferer. Yes. Yeah. They are more comfortable being oriented to themselves as a sinner. Yeah, they, they can tell you what their sin is. I think about it so interesting. This one lady that I met with um, came in and was really talking about the difficulty she had relating to people, and she was very self-protective and very defensive. And just to your point, man, she was just naming off all of her sin. And so really and truly, like she was so good at it, I didn't even really explore her suffering. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, she really knows what the problem is. Let's just jump in. Mm-hmm. Well, it took quite a bit of time for me to then backtrack and go back to her story and realize that she was raised in an abusive home. Mm-hmm. And so her suffering story was significant. Right. But it was just so interesting to me that in those first few meetings, she never mentioned it. And when she did, it just seemed like it, you know, just her family of origin didn't seem like a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, one of the places that I've really grown as I've matured in my Christian walk is to actually look for the entrance into the suffering story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think particularly when we're talking about unbelievers or uh, young Christians or just weak Christians, like discourage people. Right. Um, I think when we can really take a step back and say, where is the suffering story here? Oh my goodness, like that's where we're inviting them for comfort is what they really need. Right. And they want to accept that invitation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm all bloodied up and I come to your house and you say, here, take this, you know, I'm going to put armor on you and go make you a warrior. And you're like, I need a hospital bed and some medicine and a nurse and a good meal. Um, We just have to really know, like, who's the person in front of us and what has really impacted them. And and so we know that suffering doesn't excuse our sinfulness, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's not that. It's that we are willing to recognize that um, often our sinfulness is informed or propelled or yeah. um, by our suffering. And that when we just want to bootstrap it up and change ourselves um, and put on a new, a new habit and not really deal with some of those underlying causes or hurts that inform that suffering, we really, um, I mean, I, I think we really cripple people in their fight against sin. And we, again, to your point, like we miss Jesus as in the gentle. Um, of who he was and the way he interacted with people. And one of the the other reasons I love 
um, being able to view someone as a sufferer is it, it gives me a whole different set of tools to encourage them with. One of them is lament, like just mm-hmm. to really push them to the Psalms, to push them to a place where they're not alone, where God invites them to come to Him in their suffering. They don't have to get it cleaned up and pretty and looking nice to go to Him. Like here we have the Psalms and we have all these examples of uh, of a person pouring out their heart before the Lord, and it is not pretty. It is often angry. It's despairing. It's confused, and um, it's questioning. And that the Lord invites that, and He allows us to come to Him that way. And so, what better fight against sin than to know we can come to God, hurting and real and raw, and He loves us there. Now I have a whole new motivation to want to please Him. I have the right motivation to want to please Him. Yeah, and and the reality, too, is our sin creates a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. And so often, I'm, I guess I'm not shocked because I think I had the same mindset, but it felt really uncomfortable to come to God in that raw and real way of the psalmist. Mm-hmm. Um, as a sufferer, whether I was sinned against or whether it was my own sin that was creating the suffering— and I think that's another aspect of looking at somebody as a sinner. I think we can really jump on to like, you've sinned and that was bad. Right. Instead of like, wow, this this has been costly to you. Mm-hmm. This has been hurtful. Tell me how. Tell me how your sin has impacted you. How has it impacted your relationships? How has it impacted your health? How has it impacted your walk with Jesus? Because again, there's a suffering story in every sin story. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Eventually, and if somebody's coming to talk to you about it, that's probably why they've come mm-hmm. because they're feeling some suffering at this point. Right. You know, there's conviction of the Holy Spirit, but also probably their world is sort of starting to crumble. Right. Things are things are not as they want them to be, and God is allowing that the pain of that to drive them back to Jesus. So, you know, it's almost like if you're suffering, it's about suffering, and if you're sinning, it's about suffering. Yeah, I think that's really good because it really changes the way we approach other people. And again, we recognize that if we can't apply this simple paradigm to ourselves first, we're going to come in a little bit like a bull in a china shop, yes. ready to find the sin. But if we can't lament for our own suffering— then we're not going to be able to lament with someone else. If we're driving ourselves just to clean up our act and get it right, which I have done for many, many, many years, but we're going to approach other people that way. And so um, I I love that, you know, that the sin and suffering, we end up seeing them woven together. Yes. And and again, when I look at Jesus, especially in the Gospels, that's what I see Him being able to do over and over again. He doesn't see people in these categories. He sees this whole person. He hears their whole story, and he sees all of the the struggle together. Yeah. And if we think about the framework again, saint, suffer, sinner, what we're really saying is, if you're a saint, how does it change your suffering? Mm -hmm. And if you're a saint, how does it change your sinning? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How does Christ and your relationship with Him bring about what we would say is the comfort for a sufferer and, or, or the hope and then the help or the change for a sinner. And being oriented to just this simple framework mm-hmm. um, is really, we hope, just going to, has been helpful for us. We hope is really going to help our listeners look at people through a broader lens, mm-hmm. a fuller lens, um, a lens that will allow us to I think just really enter in and look at the whole person or the person as a whole 
instead of segmented. Yeah, so the way I see that happening, Brenda, is when we go in through the sin door, we can so easily come in condemning and separate from them. When we go in through a saint and suffering paradigm into um, someone's struggle with sin, we are usually able to more easily identify with their suffering. Even if I don't have the same suffering as you, I can feel the pain of a prodigal because I know when my, my children make bad choices, how painful it is to me, even though I don't have the same story as you. Um, you can feel the pain of chronic pain because you've woken up and been in pain before, and you can imagine that multiplied. So we can identify with them there and develop a real empathy there. And then I think it helps the other person and us have this feeling of we're coming alongside you. You're not separate from me in your struggle against sin. Now I've identified with you in your suffering, and I can more easily identify the factors that set up this sinful lifestyle. And then I connect there, and I can see the commonality I have with you in our sinfulness, yeah. our common sinfulness, the such as is common to man, yeah. sin. And there's just a sweet, sweet invitation in that. It yes. feels like um, I've knocked on the door and you've opened it instead of I have busted the door down. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. With my Bible. Yeah, with my Bible <laughs> yeah. in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was thinking about when I was taking one of my classes um, we had to do some peer you know, counseling. And I'll remember that this couple was assigned to counsel me. And at that point, my son was in really just the throes of rebellion. And um, I'll never forget because the husband immediately went for the juggler. He was convinced that I was an idolater as a mother. I was an idolater in ministry. I mean, begin to slice and dice me. Mm-hmm. And I actually broke down weeping. Because I felt so just shamed and misunderstood. Yes. I mean, I had deep, deep suffering. Um, while I was at this class, I didn't even know where my son was. I was waiting mm. to hear from him. Was he dead? Was he alive? Like, there was a lot going on just in that very moment. And rather than coming in, and I'm not saying that there weren't some sin issues in my life, but sure. that was not the moment to address them. And um, and I, I just really remember just how I felt very stripped Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost like if you could just imagine just being physically stripped. I was just emotionally, spiritually just stripped. And um, and the wife, thank God for the wife, because she was there and she really sensed it. And she immediately sort of tried to turn things and really begin to ask me like what was going on and how long had this been going on and what was I feeling and what was I doing and where was God meeting me? And to the man's credit, he came back and really saw the air of his ways. Mm -hmm. But I think that left such an impression on me because I got to really experience what it felt like to be on a a sin witch hunt Mm -hmm. and to immediately look at somebody as a sinner, Yeah, really with no hope to begin with and no entering in or understanding my suffering story. Yeah. And um, that that made an indelible impression, and I and I think from that day forward, like I was like, okay, where's the sin story? I mean, the suffering story. I I want to go in that place first, Lord, and then. And then we will, you know, sort of drill down to the sin. I love your word stripped because it's really visual to me. Uh, and, and and then the opposite is true. If we can approach someone through this paradigm, we're saying, okay, here's how you're clothed in the robes of Christ. Like, yeah. here's how you have His righteousness. And now here's a blanket yes. and a warm cup of tea. <laughs> yes. And now let's talk about yes. <laughs> your struggle with this sin issue. Like, I don't, I almost again feel like I have to, I have to convince people that they need some comfort from God and that they need some comfort from His Word. And then once I do, 
um, you know, they're already on their sin, sin story, but I actually think that they approach their sin, their own struggle with sin a little bit differently too. Like they, they can apply the gentleness of Christ to their own sin. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other reasons why I think this is so helpful is because it is a tool, not just in a framework or a paradigm in my own mind, but it's become a tool for me that I encourage a lot of people to use in conversation. Mm-hmm. And that is when you're at a place where you don't know what to ask someone and you do want to go deeper. I encourage my small group leaders to do this. I encourage you know anyone who's involved in the lives of other people to take this paradigm, saint, sinner, suffer, and use it as questions. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to my saintliness, I ask, what's, what's good in your life? What what is what is good? What is celebratory? What can we bless right now? Um, to the suffer, what is hard? Like just what is? Where are you experiencing the fall? Where are you noticing it in your body, in your relationships? Um, and then you know what is bad? What is good, hard, and bad? And so where are you struggling with sin? Where do, what is something the Holy Spirit's putting His finger on right now? And to me, that's just the easiest tool to remember when I completely draw a blank of where someone is, or um, we're having maybe a, a women's gathering and we're supposed to have some conversation around the table that goes a little deeper. It's just an easy paradigm, good, mm-hmm. hard, bad. Um, and it orients people. And even as they're answering the questions, they are orienting themselves to those categories, even if they don't know them. Yeah, that's so good. And I and I really think it's also a great, what I'm going to call a homework tool, um, you know, it's really helpful when we meet with somebody if we can give them something to take with them mm-hmm. where they can just meet with Jesus right. and they can pray and they can get in the scriptures and they can think and they can meditate. And so if you think about it, somebody comes to you with a problem, let's say, they, let's say a, a wife is really struggling with, um, you know, having an anger problem with their children. Not that I ever struggled with that, <laughs> <laughs> except for the fact I didn't know I had an anger problem until I had three children under the age of five. Yes. Then I was a raging maniac. <laughs> it was probably about the time that I was really like, I got to see what Jesus, how Jesus can mm-hmm. help me. Um, but even taking that paradigm and telling that mom, like, I want you to go home and over the next week, I want you to think about your situation. And I want you to think about it in a light of that you're a saint, mm-hmm. the promises of God to you as a young mom, mm-hmm. as a young person, as a young Christian. You know, I want you to think about the suffering. Like there is a, there's a hard, there's a hard in being a mom. I mean, it's part of the curse, it's part of the fall and the good. I mean, going back to the saint, like what's good about being a mom? Like all the things you can be thankful for, all the promises of God's through years. What's really hard here? And then the sin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe even who's sinning where, sort of parsing that out. Like, hey, well, my do- my child's sinning here, but gosh, I'm not dealing with that well, but then I'm, because I'm responding sinfully. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it also becomes a way to sort of orient even over an issue. Right where you can really begin to identify all of those components Mm -hmm. and not just get locked in on one. And it can be a working document. It could be something that you can continue to build on every day as you're encountering more things in your home, as God is revealing more in His Word to you through your personal devotionals or through your interaction with other women. Yeah, so it can become a journal exercise. It can become a way to pray, to orient yourself to pray. Um, As you're, you know, you know you're in the midst of a struggle, but you need to be oriented back to... Uh, who you are in Christ, the promises of the character of God to you. So it can be a way to pray through those things. So yeah, I just think it's so helpful. Um, saint, sufferer, sinner, good, hard, bad. They just they just flow together. They become easy. You said hooks. 
There's yeah. some great hooks for conversation, for journaling, for prayer. I hope we've explained them well. You know, sometimes I like to just say, that's all I got. <laughs> Is that all we got? I think that's all we got. <laughs> I think that's all we got. So hopefully, hopefully this will be helpful. And then we get some feedback of people who are actually orienting it first to their own lives. Yes. We can't stress that enough. People, please. We have to understand these things for ourselves before we can really begin to, as a natural overflow, present them and be useful in the lives of other people. And the beauty is, is really what we've presented is really simple. Mm-hmm. It may, it, you know, maybe a little bit hard to begin with just um, if these are some new concepts, but really they're pretty simple concepts. And it's three things. These mm-hmm. three things, just three things. Three Alex, things. we can remember three things. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, all you hear silence, feels like you're alone drifting off of the map. Many souls have gone down this road, you know. At least I have. Sometimes people think it's better feeding you an answer for what you can't understand. But if you Someone who will just cry with you. I you just listened to I Will performed by Andy Gullhorn. For visuals and discussion questions for this podcast, sign up at knownministries.org. Because we learn better together, we'd love for you to share this podcast with others and gather to discuss it. If you take a moment to like, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast, it'll help tremendously. We'd love to connect on social at Known Ministries. This podcast is made possible by engineer and producer Zachary Tate Smith, executive producer Malia Smith, and generous donors. We're all gonna take a last breath, and that's not the only sad death we are meant to feel. If you need a friend too. Do some dying with you The information presented is for the enjoyment of all. It is not intended as either medical advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical care, or professional advice. Please contact 911 if you're having an emergency.